0: so that I've got some time for the intro and outro. Um, but just to kind of hit some of the highlights, it's super conversational. So it's not clean, um, or like there's really not a lot of editing. It really is just kind of like you and I are sitting across from the table and you're getting to share your story. So, um, we'll use the questions in the email kind of as a framework, but there may be other things that you say that I might kind of throw at you just based on conversation. Um, and so it's very much just kind of a back and forth casual conversation. So, Um if you get like super tripped up or something or like a dog barks or UPS comes. I mean, there's been all kinds of different things. Um, the, the yard people come, um, just kind of do a hard stop and then restart your sentence. And I can go back and kind of edit out, you know, the dog barking or whatever of that. Um, and we will record for about 30 minutes, but it's fluid. And so if we're like jiving in conversation or you're not done yet, then just keep talking. So that's the beauty of being able to kind of say how long we want to talk and how the conversation goes. So, um, do you have any questions or um just thoughts things that you kind of want to cover
1: excuse
2: me um no i don't i I know that you know i know that it says here you know my heart is leading worship and that's true but more than anything my heart is for um, being a mentor educator especially for women who are being trained in the and it always has been in terms of my teaching background i do lead worship a lot um, for women's events um, uh, but um, even more than that is a passion to truly pour into the hearts of others. So I kind of want to direct that question more toward that angle is the only uh, probably tweak that there would be. Okay. Uh, and if you feel like that I'm talking too long about it, I, I, I don't I don't. I really haven't pre-planned because I wanted it to be conversational. Just pray that the Lord would use me. My only fear is that if I speak on behalf of of what we're doing here or talk about this seminary that my words could incriminate me so i'm going to be very careful <laughs> sure, <laughs> I navigate, sure you know things about women and struggle to speak truthfully and honestly but um I hope you can still hear me I realize I've been moving my head as I'm oh, well talking, so. no yes
0: I was gonna say okay whatever you're doing like I it kind of comes in it. and out okay. so yes just try to be um, really still and like there's a feature on here where I can chat you so if you start doing it I might um, you know oh, yeah. kind of like throw you a note like hey you try to be still um, right. but if you can just as you're answering like obviously you can move whenever I'm talking but when you're talking, it'll be really important just to kind of sit still because it sounds gets, great. I mean, I don't know what it's doing, but it almost sounds like you're like muffled and not there. Um, okay. So you can kind of hear words, but um, you can't tell like what you're saying. So um, and I would say like you've got total freedom to kind of even like re rework the questions that I ask you, you know, if that makes sense. And so you're like, yeah, I've got a big heart for this, but you know, this is kind of how I see it. Um, so that's, that's conversation. So you are totally welcome just to kind of share your heartbeat and things through that. So I do know, like, I don't know (laughs) of any other, I mean, I know other women's leaders, but we, at least up until this point, haven't on the podcast had anybody really within like worship elements within the church. And right. so um I'm excited for you to be able to kind of speak to that and yeah. as well as um, and this is one of my big questions. Not getting into the complementary and egalitarian conversation. <laughs> right, 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 right. But I think it would be really awesome for you just to kind of speak to some of those women that maybe are younger that have that gift or that calling and how you encourage them to really kind of step into that role, whether it's in the church or, you know, whatever. Um, But we like haven't had anybody really speak to that or from that angle. And so right. I think that would be really cool for you just to kind of highlight. Exactly, so,
2: exactly. And that's what. One, one thing that I, I deal with with women on the campus and I feel like I would love to speak to that now that that is that that's kind of the angle that I want to approach it from rather than a treatise on you know the complementarian view and how that you know affects these you know peripheral ministries on, on staff uh, but more so to the heartbeat of each woman out there who has these gifts and how, how would I direct her over a cup of coffee yes. kind of a thing right
0: perfect yeah. Yes, that's exactly where we want to go. And then at the end, we'll kind of throw in um, the conversation that you have. I love the envy conversation, you know, and seeking the platform. I think that's super practical for everybody. So I think that's going to be a really great way to kind of end our chat together, because Mm -hmm. I think that's everyone, you know, (laughs) whether you're um, on stage with a microphone or just behind a computer. So um, I think it's going to be really good. All right. All right. Well um and I want to make sure your last name is Swain. Swain. Angela? That's correct. Swain. Okay. Uh-huh. I thought so. Just double checking okay. because I can't undo it after it's right. recorded. So, all right. Well, let's get going. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of At The Table. It's Jackie King, and today I get to have a conversation with somebody I wish I had half of her gifts um, and talent. She is such a sweet, sweet sister, and I'm really excited to bring her on today to chat about life and ministry and leadership as an SBC woman. And so today I get to welcome to the show Angela Swain. Angela, thank you so much for joining us today.
2: Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm so excited. Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, well, I'm so glad you're here, and I can't wait to introduce you to the ladies. And so um, you have so many hats, so many different talents and gifts that the Lord has given you and that you have stepped forward in obedience with. And so why don't you tell us just a little bit about you? Where are you from? How do you serve? Um, And I mean, geez, that could be a whole list of things. So maybe even just the top ones, because, again, it's so many hats.
2: So tell us a little bit about you. Well, I'm no different than any other woman, right? We all wear a lot of hats on any given day and stage of life, but I do currently serve as the Assistant Professor of Music in the Department of Worship Ministries here on the beautiful campus of Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas Wee-hoo. City, Missouri, yeah. so one of our wonderful six Southern Baptist Seminaries, and I hope I got that number right. You did? Um, you I, did? Okay. Great. As far great. as I know, I don't think we've added <laughs> any other ones. <laughs> right, so we've been here about five years, going on year six, we came here to serve, my husband got the proverbial phone call one day, um, more to the story, but essentially to come and serve here. He oversees the department and I get to teach alongside him. So our offices are right across the hall from one another, nice and convenient. <laughs> I'm also a homeschool mom at present, uh, which works out great in that uh, teaching in higher education and the homeschool schedule by nature of it being improvisational in nature. Mm. Um, I, can, I can work those things out. Some days are more stressful than others, but that's where we are in life. right now so that's what the Lord has given me to do but we moved here from the deep south we had been serving full-time in Savannah Georgia was our last place of full-time ministry where he served as worship pastor Uh, But we've been here, like I said, five years, and uh, to to essentially, I guess, revitalize the program as a stewardship to the Southern Baptist Convention to make sure there was uh, just continuing on the great work that was going on here, and to clarify, it certainly wasn't coming to change something for the sake of change or thinking that uh, things needed to be shaken up or or tweaked uh, or redirected, but just to continue providing a healthy way to prepare those serving um, in corporate worship in our local churches throughout the SBC. That's and of course, so along exciting. the way, we found our niche and found what makes us unique and how we can contribute to that uh, overall here in Kansas City. So I grew up in Virginia, though, okay. and I was born in Roanoke, Virginia. And so some of my earliest memories have to do with the southern baptist convention and visiting the baptist bookstore you know i can still Uh, smell all the little books and gadgets and the uh that was some of my earliest memories some of the ladies that i don't know if they managed the store if they worked there but uh it was a home away from home and i've been southern baptist longer than i've been a christian certainly (laughs) uh, which is probably a testimony to having been raised in the church um Mm -hmm. And then uh, my father moved us to a, a more rural part of Virginia for uh, for his own business purposes and grew up in the county seat First Baptist Church there, which was just as much uh, reflective of the larger SBC life as any, even though it was tucked away in the, in the middle of Appalachia. I had my open windows devotional, right, and was a part of Mission Friends and RAs and GAs and uh, well not RAs but a part of that uh, you know (laughs) epic in time yeah and uh, you know grew up to go to a Southern Baptist private college and then later on to one of our seminaries I even worked at Lifeway at one point that was then called the Sunday School Board to Mm. date myself Um, (laughs) right and so and then here I am working for a Southern Baptist entity so I'm sure there's a stereotype in there somewhere some hidden joke about my life but it's the way the Lord has directed so I I don't know that you could get much more Southern Baptist
0: yeah, yeah, it is I'm deep in the veins, girlfriend. It is it is there. <laughs> but I love that. Just so much investment and time. And, um, you know, that's my story. To, I mean, I wouldn't say I'd have that much. Um, but, you know, RA girl or GA girl, sorry. And um, just growing up in the church and um, the Sunday school board, all of those things um, mm-hmm. are big pieces of our history and big pieces of our stories, I think, as we were young oh, yeah. um, women and growing up and learning all about life in the church and mm-hmm. the kingdom of God. So, um, I love that and definitely just, um, the lineage and the legacy. I think that so many that have gone on before us that laid that foundation to where we're able to serve and lead the way that we do now. So, um, okay. So I have to ask this, um, going from Georgia to Kansas city, what (laughs) has kind of been the biggest
2: shift there? (laughs) well it was less of a shift for my husband he originally grew up in los angeles so we met at southern seminary years ago uh, so i was kind of the the farmy east coast girl meets uh, the pastor's kid from the west coast but when we served in savannah loved it there obviously loved the climate i did my husband not so much it was a little too muggy humid for him hmm. but um coming from there to here uh, was more of a shift for my children and that that's the life they had only known, being mm-hmm. at the beach after dinner. And if I talk about it too much, I'll miss it even more. Uh, but culturally, we've noticed a, quite a difference, uh, especially when it, when it comes to ministry in that, I think it goes without saying by nature of us being the Southern Baptist Convention, that there were churches on every street corner with full-time Mm-hmm. I started to say faculty, but those on, on staff at the local church, you mm-hmm. could find a full-time minister of music, worship pastor, worship leader, whatever you want to call them um, on every corner. And here things are more bivocational by nature geographically of where we're located, which then affects the way we approach uh, teaching and training for ministry as well. But that was uh, quite a transition to go, especially a wardrobe can- transition. If I can speak as a female, <laughs> That was <laughs> quite the trend. I, I did. I no longer uh, uh, owned a pair of closed-toed shoes. Everything mm. was just basically, you know, flip flops, sandals. Uh, so the first fall here, about this time. I guess it would be six years ago now was taking the children to go buy jackets and coats and pants and real shoes and of course we've well since accommodated but that that was quite a transition but i bet yeah i was at first when i realized we were that the lord was directing this way i have to say that for the first time in our marriage that if i could confess as an encouragement to others um that was that was hard for me Uh, i enjoyed our ministry there and made a lot of great friends the church felt like a family mm-hmm. you know both of my children had been born in Georgia so there were a little bit more deep roots that had been planted and I wasn't ready to give that up in the flesh um, and so there was a little bit of resistance on my part but the Lord obviously made it clear and I came with great joy and and here we are Yes. with incredibly long winters but I digress.
0: <laughs> well, hopefully you're not having to fight the humidity in the hair as much. Um. No, that is true. So there are some You get trade-offs. to swap that for some closed-toe shoes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, right, right. All right. So let's dig into your story um, as a woman in leadership and specifically worship and um, music and all of those things that I know nothing about. So I am really excited. Um, I wish I could sing. I wish I could play an instrument. I wish I knew what notes are. And I just, I don't. That is not um, my lane. So let's talk a little bit just about maybe your call to ministry, like how you felt the Lord gifted you in this area. And then maybe even some of the things, especially with your students on campus and those that you're pouring into and mentoring, um, maybe even some of those rubs of women that feel like they're gifted and then how does that fit in the Southern Baptist context? I mean, I would imagine a lot of the same kind of wrestles that I had with women teaching um, is probably some of the same type of wrestle that women in worship are are kind of trying to figure out. So um, can you pack in any of that, really? I mean, I know those are kind of loaded questions, but what has your journey been like? Sure.
2: Well, I guess... It it is exactly that. It's a journey. It's not this one specific call that I followed. But the Lord using circumstance after circumstance as he does, uh, which has been filled with my ignorance and my own sin, right? And Mm -hmm. then the redirection that he uses through other people and counsel from his word and brothers and sisters, pastors uh, who have helped me along the way try to discern what essentially at the very heart of the matter has always been a desire to simply serve uh, wherever that may be, mm-hmm. but even more so, a long time ago, sensing a desire that my life would be set apart, and I don't mean that narcissistically, you know, as an extra special, but set apart in that I didn't want to do music for music's sake, although I did for a while as a music educator, and it certainly has served me even in what I do now. Um, <clears throat> but, but rather for my life to count. And I, I, I know that that doesn't mean that everyone serves uh, on the, the staff of a church for their life to matter. We, we joyfully serve, whether we're standing in line at Walmart, whether we're picking up our children from the carpool line, whether we're single and serving in those ways, that whatever capacity we serve with gladness, we are where we are as sovereignly uh, placed by a good and loving Father. And we are faithful in what he's called us to do. But in That's particular, yeah. I've always felt that I wanted to serve the church in particular. And I didn't always know what that looked like. And there were certain, there's kind of an evolution to use that in the, in the truest sense of the term, in, in terms of what the Lord has done with that calling. So having grown up in a Christian home, um, uh, I, I in particular was always sensitive to the things of the Lord, um, even if. My friends weren't there on Wednesday night. I was at Wednesday night church, and I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but I was interested in the things of the Lord. I wanted to be with his people. I wanted to sing the songs. I wanted to sit beside Granny on the third row, and, and that was very intriguing for me, trying to find ways to serve. And then when it came time to go to college, and I was one of the first— in my family to ever go to college, actually, let alone graduate. I picked a small Baptist college that was close by. It happened to be in Kentucky. Um, Mm -hmm. Shout out to uh, University of the Cumberlands at present. Uh, (laughs) I'm not sure how uh, Christian or Baptist they are these days, but historically they were. And at the time, it was very transformational in my spiritual health and journey at the time, uh, being there with so many other brothers and sisters in Christ. uh, Transformational. And I went there. The first part of the journey toward feeling called to uh, to ministry, essentially, was in that um, um, <clears throat> the first call I had toward ministry was sensing that i wanted to be a musician for the lord i had already realized that that was my level of giftedness that that was something i took a personal interest in and perhaps was quote good at as mm-hmm. affirmed by others so it only made sense that when i went to this small university that i would major in what they had what they called church music um i didn't know that perhaps that was reserved for um uh, those feeling called to be ordained or to serve in an official capacity. I just simply at age 17 knew I loved Jesus yeah. I loved music. So I was going to major in church music <laughs> and within a year um The head of the department came and spoke with me and mentioned that uh, a concern he had I think he perhaps discerned some naivete there and so my journey of redirection really began there he didn't discourage me from serving the Lord and he didn't tell me to change my major but that was the first conversation I ever remember having where someone mentioned me being a woman and and how they were concerned for me and in his way uh, was trying to redirect me because he didn't want me to be discouraged. I, I think he, I think he knew, realized I didn't know what I was doing, essentially in part. Mm, yeah, but <clears throat> he also saw some innocence and naivete, and realized that in reality, I probably wouldn't find a job. Uh, nor was I truly even desiring to be that f- type of leader. You have to understand this is before the term worship leader, which mm. which ushered in a whole new era which uh, has not only added um, good things, but also some confusion, especially as it relates to, is this a female area, a male area, or both? Yesterday's world with quote, minister of music was a little more directing in terms of a a, a male uh, uh, leadership uh, being ordained, you know, maybe a pastoral sense, even though it wasn't called worship pastor at the time. But Mm -hmm. I truly didn't sense of, of calling to do anything like that. Um, And I think he knew that, so he had a hard conversation with me and, and wanted me to prayerfully consider music education. Uh, which I had considered, but I didn't really want to teach at the time. No one, no artist wants to teach. I'll just tell you, they just <laughs> kind of all avoid it like the plague. But uh, but the Lord does some amazing things, and some of us wind up teaching. We realize that that in itself is a gift in addition to the gift of being an artist, uh, and that would eventually come true. And so prayerfully, I realized, I think, even as young as I was, what, what he was trying to do. And. Um, and it was very ministerial. And so that was the first redirection. And I changed my major to music education. And actually, it's much of what the Lord uses today in mm-hmm. the practical ministry Ministry classes that I teach.
0: Don't you love that when God yeah, does that? Like exactly. you have no idea. And he right. kind of like changes things and you think it's horrible, you know. Right. Um, but then it's exactly the thing that you need in the future. I love that.
2: Absolutely. And so from there... Um, I tried to avoid teaching for a while. Uh, but inevitably, couldn't. You know, you need to pay the bills, and I was single at the time. In fact, I was single until age thirty-five. So my story is pretty unique. But at the time, you know, Christian music. The, you know, the radio existed. CDs were were everywhere. The this was the this was the age of Christian music at its finest in terms of commercial Christian music. Going to concerts. You know, uh, we were a little bit past Sandy Patty, but we're now with Stephen Curtis Chapman, Rich Mullins, who whose anniversary of his death is uh, providentially today. Uh, Mm -hmm. But being influenced by those, I then began to feel, quote, called to serve in that platform. If I could only have that platform, then I could really serve Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so I moved to Nashville. And I got this little side job right at the Sunday school board, uh, now Lifeway. And it was no side job indeed. In fact, it would be the very job that that the Lord would providentially use to continue redirecting me, right? Mm. And so... There I was with my little side job. There was a hiring freeze at the time, and I couldn't get into the church music department, so they put me down in the Baptist bookstore uh, that, that was connected to that building, mm-hmm. which has now mm-hmm. been demolished, and I got to work there for a little while and and uh, would go to all the concerts and visit all the churches, and oh, shamefully, I have to admit that a lot of my church visiting was... Uh, uh, was kind of fluctuated and directed by who's who. You know, uh, You know, so-and-so's brother goes there. Stephen Curtis Chapman's brother goes to this church. Oh, well, I think I'll visit that church this week. And so all this was going on, and, and I began to have a little bit of a disdain and, and toward myself and starting to sense some, e- you know, kind of egocentric thoughts. I don't know mm-hmm. that I thought about them that way, but things started feeling icky. I didn't like, I, I guess I started discovering my motivation. I don't know that I could have put it into words, but as I looked around me and saw all all of us, you know, the same kids, the Belmont kids that were going to school, we were all in the same places, as large as the city was, we were all in the same place at the same time at the same concerts, kind of vying or jockeying for uh, looking for this platform in which we could serve the Lord. And during that time, I had a providential cab ride that I want to share with you and, and the ladies the Lord oh wow (laughs) the Lord is so sovereign Uh, one fateful morning uh, my car didn't work and I don't know anything about cars all I know I was living with a roommate two females together in in the city of Nashville and I was a bit intimidated even though I've considered myself independent in all the right ways not in rebellious ways but I could care (laughs) for myself Um, I didn't know what to do I needed to be downtown at the Baptist Sunday School Board by 730 for morning devotional wasn't sure what to do, so I kind of cast my lots, You know, opened up the yellow pages that we had back in the day, and pointed my finger toward a name, and prayerfully asked the Lord to guide me, because seriously, I was intimidated for my safety to be picked up in a cab at dark 30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so the taxi cab driver comes to pick me up, Well, that and there was a little bit of country girl in me. I had never done anything like that before, so I was a little, <laughs> bit, a little bit scared. I was only 22, 23 at the time. And so he comes to pick me up, and this taxi cab ride would be like none other in my life that I ever had. It was, it was a complete uh, turnabout, would produce a complete turnabout, redirection, that I got in the car, and as soon as he asked me where to, and I told him, the sarcasm began to flow. Oh, the Baptist Acre, he said. Hmm. He obviously had a history, had a little bit of animosity A little bit of bitterness in that the whole entire 40, 45 minute commute in the dark early in the morning with Nashville traffic, um, he had me in a position where he could completely ask every question and tell me his every objection to the faith and ask me these questions that my naive self could not answer, shamefully. Mm. Questions about the faith. Why trusting, how God was the only God. I can't remember every objection he had. I now know them as, you know, typical objections to the faith and that he must have had some previous experience because he seemed so enraged and so embittered. Mm, and yeah. by the time we pulled onto what I call the campus, uh, that the, the sun had begun to rise and I could kind of see him through the rear view mirror and I was in tears. I was completely beside myself. In part because he hurt my feelings and in part because I was so hurt that I couldn't help him. I didn't, I wasn't quick witted. I didn't have answers for him. And as we pulled into the parking lot, Jackie, I remember our eyes met in the rear view mirror and he could see I was crying. And I think the humanness returned to him and he apologized and asked for forgiveness that he didn't mean to accost me verbally. Mm. I think he had some compassion there. He realized I was a human and a young one. And as I, um, uh, gave him the taxi fare and reached across the seat and came a little closer, I saw the name plate on the front. And I won't mention the name, but suffice it to say that if you're our age and older and have been a part of Southern Baptist life, it was kind of a family name, one that's associated with historical roots in the Southern Baptist Convention. Hmm. Um, in terms of pastoral leadership and and this particular taxi cab driver had the same name and he saw me glance at the name and he 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 agreed he said yes I'm in that family and he said I'm his grandson and he said and I'm the black sheep and he Hmm. talked about how he'd been to one of our seminaries at the time a few years prior uh, that at the time probably was not where the bible was extracurricular perhaps and uh And it began to make sense as to why he had so many objections or was Mm -hmm. so rebellious in nature. But I walked out of that taxi and I was shaking and I shook for a couple of days that I could not defend the faith. And suddenly the... Uh, the disdain I, I had already begun to have about my, my purpose in, 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 in moving to Nashville to, quote, make it big so that I could make Jesus famous, right? I was just wanting mm-hmm. to make myself famous, yeah. which, which is something us artists have to be careful about. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially those of us in, in, you know, worship ministry and artistry in general is not, a private, it's not private. It's very public. It's mm-hmm. a shared ministry. It's, mm-hmm. uh, and so that's always a temptation for us. But I realized that was the case for me. And so I, uh, it wasn't long that the Lord began to lay on my heart, uh, listening to people like Robbie, Zacharias and others. I wanted to be able to defend the faith. Um, and to do so in higher education and among artists and creatives and to be able to disciple those at that level. So thus began a journey of wanting to then become the music educator. So I moved back to Kentucky which of course is where I had been going to school and began teaching in public schools and had many years experience there and then began sensing the Lord directing me to prepare theologically. Again, not, not any traditional sense or role in the church, but as a church musician um, and and felt called to then go to seminary to receive that part of education. And I didn't know what it was going to look like. Again, I was single, so it's not like I was serving alongside of a husband and and, and those weren't my thoughts at the time. But then another experience happened where while I was teaching, um, Jackie, um, I, I was part of a church and and volunteered a lot of musicianship during the time. I was also a high school band director, so I was very part-time there. But though the, the uh, Minister of Music resigned and as a result, it kind of left me as the only one that people looked to to be able to do the function of ministry, the selection of song, the rehearsal mm-hmm. of groups, mm-hmm. the practical form of church music ministry. And then they hired me full time, um, even as an associate, even with a vacancy there uh, for, for the minister of music. And I was, I was sitting in that seat and doing all the work, rehearsing all the groups, planning all the services. But then on Sunday morning, um, the church really wasn't sure what to do with me. And I certainly mm-hmm. didn't know what to do in terms of, is it wrong of me to get up and lead? Is it wrong of me to say, turn in your hymnals to page 435? Um what do I do with all this? I'm trusted to do the preparation for Sunday morning. I'm trusted mm-hmm. to select the songs. And of course, i would not yet been to seminary. I still was thinking as a functional musician, you know, in, t- in terms of the, the way I pick songs was, Hey, I like it. It goes with the sermon It's a great key change here. <laughs> very functional and practical, shamefully a part of my growth as well. But the church wasn't sure what to do with me. They loved me. They didn't do anything on purpose, but, uh, but I wound up feeling hurt in that on Sunday mornings it, it was they directed me to find a male. Uh, usually, I found one of my friends who sang in the choir that I, you know ironically directed and 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 rehearsed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and to train him on Sunday mornings for about twenty to thirty minutes so that he could stand up in front of the congregation and lead the music. Interesting. Uh, Yeah. And so, right. And so that was my first introduction into what was that? Or how should I be thinking about that? How should the church be thinking about that? And, and, Realizing that there are some traditional roles and there are non-traditional roles. Some churches are large and have plenty of room at the table for male, female to serve in a variety of capacities, all in the worship ministry. Some churches are small and only have one person, and they see that person or they desire that person to be a a pastor or Mm -hmm. ordained, and that would be a completely different situation. But churches typically, I found at the time, would, would err on the side of caution and, and not know what to do with people like me. And truthfully, I didn't even know. I I Mm -hmm. wasn't able to discern, but that was, that was yet another moment in time, a kind of an epic that, that got me thinking, what is the Lord doing here? And what am I called to do? What can I do? I wanted to be a woman of the word. I wanted to think biblically. I did not want to do anything Mm -hmm. um, outside of of pleasing and honoring Christ as He's revealed Himself through His Word, not of just mm-hmm. my own imagination. Right. And so, um, and 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 so then, then attending seminary, and of course there, I'm only met with a few degree choices at the time, which have since changed. But the degree choice at the time was church music, uh, a very broad degree at the time, and it's certainly those males feeling called to the ordained. Position of minister of music, or then I think worship pastor was even avant garde at the time, um, would get those degrees. But for someone like me who didn't feel called to such a place, I still got the, you know, was pursuing the degree in efforts to do the other things I was feeling called to do because it was the only way to get to be trained musically. Which, which is unavoidably practical, mm-hmm. and to also be trained theologically, which I desired. And by right. the way, I was always a part of women's ministry during all these years, either as a Bible study attendee or then, um, you know, by proxy, just, hey, would you be willing to, you know, to roll footage on the Beth Moore video or whatever and be kind of a mediator, <laughs> but always involved with, with women's ministry all along. And of course, the Lord's rolling and forming things as he does over time. And so got to seminary, and while I was there, there were a few new degrees that were introduced that were a little more my style in terms of being female and um, picked the master of music and uh, was able, with that, I could go back into public education. With that, I could pursue higher education because, again, I was thinking Robbie Zacharias, female style, to be be able to disciple people in higher education through the arts.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Um, And little did I know that I would, uh, be involved in leading worship. Heather King Moore, I don't know if you've had the opportunity to meet her. She's another king, but that was her maiden <laughs> name and now serves alongside her husband in Florida. She was overseeing women's ministry at the time at Southern Seminary where I attended and she would invite me to lead worship. In fact, Mary Cassian came and would teach those little seasonal classes yes, uh, at the yes. time and and come and I would lead worship uh, for those. And so God began doing another thing there and And so everything just evolved even to where I am now. There was no specific call. It was more of a journey and a journey, of discovery. The more I got to know the Lord, the more he uh, graciously uh, diverted my direction from time to time. And then, of course, meeting my husband at seminary and then that being a whole different call. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially at age 35, I mean, you got a whole lot of living, uh, independently to then, uh, surrender in, in terms of ministry as a married couple as well. And, and now I see how the Lord has worked all that, all things yes. to his yes. purpose and that from the things I didn't want to do from being redirected from early on in, in undergraduate days, um, to even the, 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 um, the the times in life, like at the one church I mentioned, where they weren't sure what to do with me and I wasn't sure what to do. All that came together really, truly in what we are now doing. You know, we never, ever dreamed, hey, when we grow up and we get our own seminary and we can develop our own program, what would we do? We never Mm -hmm. dreamed of that. Right. But then when the Lord provided it, we were able to take my experiences as a woman, his experiences, the collective experiences that we had as former seminarians, you know, um, and the collective experiences of those we know who've been in ministry for years, who, who uh, are you know, 20, 30 years our senior, 20, 30 years our junior, we're old enough to say that now, um, <laughs> and take those collective experiences and say, what is it that the Lord would have us do here? Right, Mm -hmm. And so for me, uh, I could talk forever about what it is we do here and what makes us unique uh, as compared to our beautiful sister seminaries and in particular to what God does in this region of the country in developing that and how we do that together. But I think more appropriately for this conversation is to say that because of all those experiences, I am able to sit down with the, the ladies in our program. And there are many. There are many women on our campus um, and able to help them and direct them and help them understand a biblical view of what they do. Mm-hmm. And, and some days that's difficult and some days that's not so difficult. But every day is wonderful. And I mm-hmm. love the relationships that I have with my female students and not just the ones in the worship ministries department, but the ones all across campus um, that I'm able, as a, as one of the very few female faculty on campus, to mm-hmm. form those relationships, and there's it's always there's always confusion because where there are women on a theological campus, we can naturally be surrounded by a cloud of confusion, and so I don't always have the right answers. Uh, I don't always have answers. And I don't always just speak about my experience. I don't know that that's the most important thing. Certainly it makes helps women feel not so alone, but Mm -hmm. trying to direct them to the word. Mm -hmm. And we've tried very hard as we've um, formed our philosophy informed who we are and developed that and put that out, you know, on our website or wherever to help to, to let that be something that helps females in particular. Because Jackie, it can be confusing. You can look at other sister institutions, Southern Baptist, whether they're seminaries or our universities or colleges. Um, and all of all are different, all have their own purpose. but inadvertently, unintentionally, and without certainly without malice, they can accidentally confuse women in this area. You can mm-hmm. with great intentions, you can see the front cover of a publication that says, you know, we train worship pastors, right? Yay, that's great. And, and a return to <laughs> theology, you know, whereas 20 years ago the pendulum perhaps only focused on uh, skill, You know, -hmm. perhaps with some theology, and now the pendulum, perhaps the other way to where we're focused on theology, maybe slightly to the forsaking of some skill. We believe the pendulum needs to be in the middle. That's why now we train musician theologians. It's both and, like King David, the very same hands he used to. Feed the flock, lead the flock, protect the flock, quite literally. He played skillfully unto the Lord. And so that's our philosophy. But but in particular, I'm whispering in the ear of my husband behind the scenes, reminding him that women need shepherded in this area. Mm-hmm. And so we're very specific in that. We say, if you are called to be a worship pastor, ordained, elder, whatever, then then gentlemen, this is the place for you. Ladies and gentlemen, if you recall, to serve as a worship leader, uh, you know words matter, and sometimes titles make a difference, right? Mm-hmm. And there are so many ways to be trained under under the um, under the capstan the caption or the guise of, of worship ministry at the local church. But women um, can look and say, well, you know, we train worship pastors at this location, but two pages later in the document, it shows a woman. And we're not sure what degree she's getting or, or, you know, and for a woman looking at publications and on the outside looking in, they're not only looking for where they fit, but they're also looking for guidance. Mm -hmm. You know, what does this mean biblically? Right, and it can be confusing. And, and worship ministry doesn't own real estate in this area. It can be with Christian ministry or counseling, or or what of other you know secondary ministries. I think you know what I mean when I say mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Other than the the role of of senior preaching pastor, that can be a little bit confusing, as we know as women. So we try very hard to be very specific about that, and then to encourage women in their biblical role. And terminology matters. You know, with with going back to worship leader a worship leader can mean anything at one church the worship leader might be the worship pastor he might be an ordained man serving on as a, in a pastoral role for some it could look more like a cantor at a you know a Roman Catholic Church where they just stand up and say turn to page 300. Mm -hmm. And basically that's all they do, or they rehearse the choir. Uh, They have no ministerial approach there. They're basically a functional approach, musically speaking. And then there's everything in between. So really it's up to the local church to also help. Our females along to help them navigate what they expect and for the females to know do I fit that biblically um, and if not then that's not where I'm called to serve so it's a both and
1: mm-hmm. um,
2: and it's not easy to, to navigate those waters but I think at the end of the day the desire is to be women of the word and women who serve the Lord and. Um, know him through his word and to be biblically minded and obedient in those areas
0: yeah like. I love how Midwestern has you there um, and just like you said I mean uh, it's hard to find women on staff at our Bible colleges and even within our seminaries and so I know personally for me one of the big things that was hard in Bible school and um, what I love now that is changing now that I'm in seminary is that we have women that have walked the path that are still trying to figure figure it out and hold the tension of what does it mean to follow Jesus well um, and follow him with my gifts and serve the church with our gifts. And so even just having women ahead of us that are able to really kind of hold that tension and speak to it and be someone Mm -hmm. that we can bounce that off of. I love that Midwestern has you there and that your female students have you to be able to kind of bounce some of that off of, because I know for me, you know, back um, in starting school, I wish I would have had that. I wish I would have had somebody to go to and say, I'm trying to figure this out. Like I want, I think right. at the heart of it, I pray at the heart of it, our goal is to serve honestly and well and, um, purely and exactly what the Bible asks of us. Um, but I think there's so much that maybe gets lost because we don't have anyone really kind of speaking to that dialogue. And so, um, again, that's why we have the network. That's why we have so much of our, our seminaries, I think are trying to tackle that very thing and, and bringing women in that are able to help train and guide and encourage women that are a little bit, behind you know them in, right, in their right. in their walk and so i'm just so thankful that that shift is is happening and that our seminary presidents are taking that on and seeing that as a valuable and honorable thing that needs to um kind of shift and so i'm so thankful for that
2: I am um, too yes
0: so we are running out of time and I really want to kind of unpack because I, I love just everything that you've said about those that are gifted, both musically, the musician theologian. I love that term. Um, mm-hmm. I actually read that on, uh, Midwestern's, uh, website whenever I was digging around. And so, um, I love that idea, but I think something that maybe would kind of speak to all of us, all of us that are in leadership is that conversation of, Even you having to kind of realize that you were seeking a platform, and so many times in leadership, there is this um, public presence. There is a comparison. I think that we kind of enter into as women sometimes to where uh, it's really easy for us to look on Instagram or Facebook, you know, or see these different women that are maybe being elevated or maybe kind of more in the front um, of the conversation. And so, I want to unpack just real quickly: um, how have you? envy and that competitiveness really kind of tear apart, not only at you, but just women that, you know, and then practically, how do we fight that as women leaders? Because I think there's just this constant press of like, you need to be better. You need to be out there. You need to be um, like her. And that is not in anywhere in scripture Um, (laughs) and not, not our goal at all. So how would you maybe encourage us as we close out to maybe fight that envy and, and If we don't, really the cost that comes with that. Mm.
2: Well, first of all, knowing that the envy, there's potential in all of us because we are innately sinful people, right? And Mm -hmm. our go-to is always comparison. It's it's the same for men. I mean, it knows no gender bounds. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, I I would say obviously I've confessed that this was an issue for me but it's not a past issue because we all want to feel significant at the end of the day envy comes from wanting to be liked wanting to uh, be seen as valuable or having worth and so sometimes I have seen not only in myself but especially as now that I'm getting older and I can perhaps more um, more readily see this uh, with through the eyes of wisdom or at least a little more wisdom than in the past can see uh, younger women struggling with this and that it always springs from this need to be valued or to have purpose even mm-hmm. and so i see women sometimes struggle not necessarily with wanting to be famous or wanting to be known or or, or uh, recognizing that they have ego it's a little more subtle than that um, it, it's it's needing to feel significant. So I don't think any woman needs to feel like she's the worst in this area. I think this is naturally a common struggle among all people.
1: Mm-hmm. But
2: where I see it play out is especially at uh, theological institutions or, or in women's Bible studies, where we have, by nature, there is a bit of platform, uh, you know, whether it's you know, brand name Lady A or brand name Lady B. We go to the conferences, we hear them. Nothing's wrong with that. There's freedom in that. There's freedom for the person on the platform to be used in that way. Um, nothing foul play there. But if we're not careful, we can we can yearn and long for the spotlight
1: mm.
2: and make our wanting to make ourselves famous rather than wanting to make the Lord famous. But. That happens even more on a day-to-day basis with motherhood, for instance. Um, how I wish that I could uh, have the freedom like my husband. You know, he gets 20 minutes alone in the car on the way back and forth to work. Uh, <laughs> how I wish that... <clears throat> You know, I could go to a Bible study, but I have three in diapers and and I'm in a stage of life where I'm stuck from, from morning till night. I hope I get a shower today. Mm-hmm. Um, how I wish that I could lead a Bible study. Oh, I wish I could get theological education like they have. And I've even seen some chatter um, even on... Um, The network where I I see women struggle with. I really want to go to seminary and I'm trying to make it happen, but I'm so discouraged because we either don't have the money or, you know, what do I do with these kids? And then that can Mm -hmm. turn into bitterness and can turn into resentment of where the Lord has you in a particular stage of life or with the gifts He has given you. So if we're not careful, we can look beyond what assignment he has for us at present and long for what we think are greener pastures when in fact those things may come the fact is i am able to return to bible studies to some degree um, but there was a day that i couldn't go to anything or do anything and in life Has a way of of, of doing this. And so that's the most obvious way that I see us struggling with envy. And we don't, we don't on purpose, at least shame on the girl who might, who may do this, but I don't think any of us intentionally try to make another girl jealous or, Mm -hmm. or do those things. It's always from the natural bent of our heart in, in feeling like whatever it is we're doing at the time just isn't enough Um, or, or doesn't make us feel like we're contributing enough to the kingdom. So I want to be a nobody for the Lord. Mm-hmm. I do. That is mm-hmm. especially, I know I told you uh, that my father-in-law just passed away. He was visiting our home just a few short weeks ago, and he was the biggest, best nobody for Jesus I had ever known. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had his doctorate. He, you know, he, he, was, he was a scholar. He was a pastor to pastors, but you would find him serving, and that's who I want to be. You know, yeah. and that's what I want to lead others. I want to lead others and sing that I'm a nobody. Let's be nobodies together. That doesn't mean that I should feel ashamed if like this week, I'm going to be leading worship at the, for the church, you know, pre-conference for women. Yes, that yes. doesn't mean that I have that humility says no to whatever the Lord puts before me, but it's making mm. him known and not myself. It's the way I approach those things mm. and making sure that, um, um, that, That I am serving him with humility and serving him with sincerity of heart and giving him what I have to give. Um, Mm -hmm. And that looks different in different seasons of life. So to say to women, hold on, you know, I had a student tell me once, I asked her recently, I said, I met this new student. What is your name and what are you here to do? And and she told me that she hoped that one day she would lead Bible studies at conferences. Mm -hmm. And that was her goal. And a part of me thought that is a great goal, a lofty goal, but not everyone can lead Bible studies at conferences. Not everyone can be the one we buy tickets to go see. You understand? Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I helped her kind of navigate uh, those thoughts and, and hope and pray that uh, that she will uh, see that, that that might be something that she admires or something that she looks um with admiration towards someone in particular, but that may not be God's goal or role for her So for us to accept what God has for us the assignments he gives whether they're through our trials with like I had breast cancer this past year Whatever our lot he teaches us to say it is well and we serve with joy and gladness
0: so good so good um, and I think we can all kind of close this out with just your words of saying I want to be a nobody mm-hmm. um, and so when we start to kind of flip that script and we start making <laughs> yes. it about us you know right. when we want to be a somebody and so I hope that that truth will kind of ring through your ears through your heart and your soul um, as you listen today and as we all go out and serve in our various capacities and as we lead in our various capacities um, I pray that our goal would be that we would be be nobodies for Jesus. So Angela, thank you so much for your time today and for you sharing your story and encouraging those that um, are music- musician theologians. Um, I, that's what I'm going to go call our, our worship people now. Um, <laughs> yes. I love it. I love it. So, but thank you so much for sharing your time and everybody, as always, thank you for joining us at the table. I hope that you'll share this with other women in ministry that you know, other women leaders that are maybe leading out in their communities and So share this on, and I hope that you will uh, join us again for another episode next week of At The Table. All right, girlfriend. Thank Thank you you so much. So, so good.
2: Well, I know it looked (laughs) like it was very long, so I'm sure you'll have to edit some things out. But That's um,
0: okay. We got started later, too, so it's okay. But that's the beauty of it. Like, there is no rule. And so... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, so it's good but i do have to hop up of here to yeah. um go ahead and get into the studio for my next one but again i appreciate you so much and thank you for just sharing your heart and um i have been praying for you and for your thank family you. and so um know that you are being lifted up all the way from arkansas and Jackie, um, I,
2: look, I hope i get to meet you one day you're precious i love seeing and i mean this sincerely it is a blessing to me to see the way the lord uses other women and even though I've never met you, to see how He's using you to serve Him by encouraging others—that encourages me. Oh. Keep up the great work. Uh, I hope to meet you in person in the near future, somehow, some way. Yes, but, uh, let I you hope know so. To pray for you too. Thank you so much. Okay, it's been an honor. Thank you. I
0: will, Angela. Thank you so much. I appreciate okay. you. Bye-bye. All right. See you.